Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory and all with great warranties. Pre-owned inventory has the Sunbury Motors guarantee because they go over every vehicle. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Matt's all excited about the Quinn trade. I am, absolutely. Why did they want to get rid of him? Hmm. Why are they paying his salary? Hmm. Doesn't that worry you? Not entirely, because whatever. Just, I just, I, I can get in your head so fast, it's unreal. All right, it's time now for our play-by-play call of the day. <laughs> Downhill at Simmons. Double came. It didn't matter. He put Simmons in the weight room, saying he's too little. It allows him to get a running start and get deep. I think he has to pick him up higher so that if he does get beat, he can get more support. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. It's just, it's Giannis against Ben Simmons. A guy that wants to play every day versus a guy that just doesn't. (laughs) Let's just start with that. You you know you've hit a low point in your career when Kyrie Irving is yelling at you to play better. (laughs) Uh, That is, uh, that's an issue. And did you see that the Chiefs picked up Kadarius Tony? They gave I up did. A, yes. a three. They gave up a three and a six. Yeah, I my thought that was a re- little much. My first reaction was for him. I tell you what, <laughs> the, the the new GM, the new regime between head coach and GM with the Giants coming over from Buffalo, from West New York, they're pulling off some Howie Roseman like moves because they fleeced the Chiefs with that trade, and they're building up the draft picks too. They got nine for next year. And the including two third rounders, and of course the Eagles have, I think about the same amount of draft picks, but they have two first rounders, of course, including the fourth overall right now, which is New but Orleans. I kept, I kept looking at it going for him. Yeah, you're oh, kidding me. Whew. I don't care what round he was drafted in or eyes drafted. He can't play in this league. Yeah, and I he's mean, also a head case too, let alone I mean, he's injury prone. My goodness, unreal. Yeah, well, that's uh, maybe with Patrick Mahomes he'll thrive. I don't know. I don't know. But by the way, they released the rosters uh, for the World Series. And as I pointed out yesterday, what doesn't Houston have? They do not, they have a great bullpen, they don't have a left handed reliever. 
Now, they've been able to get through so far without one. But if you wanted to do some matchup late with Schwarber or matchup late with Bryce Harper, it's going to be a right-handed reliever, albeit a quality one like Abreu, Montero, somebody like that. But no lefty, no lefty in the bullpen. I think Framber Valdez. I'm trying to think, is he the only lefty? They only have one lefty of the whole staff. That's it. Now, so far they haven't needed it. Should point that out, but that's just an interesting aside. Interesting aside. It's all news to Matt because the Yankees are not involved, and he has not followed any other team this year. Well, this um, is going to be the best lineup the Astros are going to face. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, I mean, I try to follow as many teams as possible, man. You know, you never, you never know which one's going to make the World Series. All right. <laughs> Let's turn our attention to Reginald Walker. Sir, joining us from Charlotte, just fresh off the plane. Welcome, sir. Great to have you back on the show. Steve Jones. <laughs> How are you, my man? Doing great. Is it bad to remember your number? Uh, no. I, I, well, that just lets everybody know that uh, that's why you're the guy, because you don't forget things. <laughs> well, you help us understand not only the successes and at times some valleys of Penn State athletics, but you also remind us of the key moments in history that keep it important and keep and keep everybody informed. So we appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate that. Very nice. Um, boy, teams have to bounce back when, when times are tough. Uh, what did you think about the response you saw on Saturday night? I, I thought it was uh, what it you know, it was what I was hoping to see, and not necessarily from a win and loss standpoint. Not necessarily, I mean, obviously, you always want to win, and not even necessarily from a margin of victory standpoint, but from an execution standpoint. I thought it was a football team that showed resolve. I thought it was a football team that spent some time. You know, when they when they looked at the film, I thought a bunch of those players. What it looked like to me was a, a bunch of guys went home or to their rooms or, or apartments or whatever the case may be. And they spent some time with that film and looking in that mirror to look at themselves and really understand where they were able to execute properly and maybe the opportunities or the situations that were missed in terms of their execution, and they wanted to get that corrected. And I thought from an execution standpoint, that was the response I wanted to see. Uh, 2001, um, Penn State plays Ohio State in Beaver Stadium. And... You know, and that season had, to, you know, to that point had not been going well. And Joe, you know, the week before they they beat Northwestern in Evanston, and he tied Bear Bryant's record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you sit back and you look back on those days where people didn't give quote the outside world didn't give Penn State a big chance against Ohio State. What does the inside world think? That's where you rally around each other. That's where you look at also the history of this matchup, right? And 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 we could think about several years, and now I'm getting ready. I think I'm getting ready to screw up the year. Uh, but the infamous block field goal Grant Haley play. 2016, yeah. 2016, that was a year that there was not a lot of expectations for Penn State. Found a way to get that game won. And so – 
you look at those moments, you look at those times in the history of this rivalry. It's funny, I was as I was on the plane and saying to myself, uh, I should be on the ground in time to, to, to make this hit, which obviously I was. Um, one of the things that I, I thought about was every single time I've heard people in the last probably decade to 15 years say that one of the teams in this particular matchup doesn't have a chance, it's when we get one of those games that ends with the last football team having the ball is who wins the game or somebody makes a miraculous defensive play at the end of the game to save the game. It's it's those times when this game is expected to be not close that it somehow always ends up very close. And so that's part of it, right? And and I think for people that obviously everybody in, in, in Pennsylvania and Ohio and, and this, obviously the state college area, Columbus areas, they understand the history of uh, things like the Big 33 where these kids play against each other mm-hmm. in high school yeah. in an all-star game. Those are some of the reasons why this game always seems to find a way to be close. And I would argue at times uh, that it, it almost seems as if depending on uh, you know what rankings look like, this game means more in the Big Ten East uh, than any game generally does for the entire landscape of the conference at times, especially has been big in this college football playoff the legendary Jack Nicholas said that when he went to big tournaments, he'd look around the locker room and he pretty much knew he had the vast majority of the field beat and knew which guys he had to beat just by just by looking at them and by their demeanor. So now I transition to this. I usually feel, for the most part, Ohio State walks onto a field with a 10 to 14 nothing lead because the other team is looking at him like, oh, my God, it's Ohio State. You know, Michigan in, in one part, but Penn State is another team that doesn't look at it that way. And how important is it that have that attitude? Look at them like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Here you are. Let's go. It's huge. And I think, that, I think it's the history of this game. I think it's the familiarity of this game, right? It's right, like it's the old attitude that we see maybe in the NBA or even in college basketball, right? You see some of these, quote, small schools, uh, playing against the cold big schools and they go these kids don't fear these guys because they've seen them in AE. it's the same concept in college football the Pennsylvania kids have seen the Ohio kids the Ohio kids have seen the Pennsylvania kids everybody knows what everybody's weakness is and everybody knows what everybody's strength is and so it comes down to being able to execute and make those certain plays in those key moments to figure out whether or not you can win the football game and when you go into a game and, and, and right the rest of the country uh, I would argue, and, and a lot of the teams, particularly in the Big Ten West, you're absolutely right. The Scarlet and Gray pulls up, they get off the bus, and they see a couple of really good-looking athletes in street clothes even, and they go, oh, that team's different. Well, when they do that at Happy Valley, Penn State fans go, that's just those guys from Columbus. Like, it's not anything different. And so that's the big key. You, you broke it down. You, you couldn't have said it any better. When they see those guys get off the bus, it means absolutely nothing except that's just another football team. They just happen to be from uh, due west on I-70 there, and, and, and we got to play. I mean, they know it's a big game. I mean, but you know, but Ohio State knows it's a big game. The difference is, you know, you're not intimidated by it. You just go play. Uh, Ohio State this season has played seven games only one of them has been on the road and that was at Michigan State which has a very good atmosphere Um, 
the irony is they haven't played in front of a crowd here at Beaver Stadium in four years. Uh, it doesn't mean the quarterback can't handle it. The quarterback's fine. It's how well can the other guys hear the quarterback? What what kind of factor do you think that plays? Because it's something quote they're not used to. Well, communication issues uh, obviously are a factor, and then uh, you look at it. Ryan Day and, and and again, the last thing they saw was the whiteout, which is uh, which is one of the best environments, obviously, and, and from a noise standpoint, it's another level. One of the things that that impacts a team like that when they go on the road is how have they worked on whether they're going to go silent count these clap counts, right? How does that how is that impacted? Where is that coming from? Um, and and I'm not encouraging doing this, but obviously at times you might get some people in the stadium and the crowd uh, doing things similar to try to mess up uh, their offense and, and create those issues. And so uh, you know if the fans can can be involved and and be loud and stay loud. Uh, it's a, it's impactful, and that's why you hear teams oftentimes when they talk about going on the road. The first thing the coach says is, "We got to find a way to take the crowd out of it. We have to start fast, right?" And the reason to start fast is to keep those folks quiet, so that you can properly communicate, which will allow your execution in theory uh, to be improved as well. And so, this is going to be a situation where I think the Buckeyes uh, will look to try to get ahead early. It wouldn't shock me. If uh, Ryan Day was to, to to win the toss, it wouldn't shock me if he took the ball. Yeah. Most of the time, you see teams that decide we're going to defer and try to set the tone with our defense. But this is a football team they like to play from ahead. They want to run the football with with those guys in the backfield, whether it's Travion Henderson or anybody else. Now they're a little bit depleted there. They had to move Chip Trainum over there because remember, and I talked about this earlier in the year before the season started on some different national radio shows. I should keep an eye on Ohio State without Evan Pryor because that impacts the yeah. depth of their running game. He's out for the year towards ACL uh, preseason, so they're going to want to they want to run the football and shorten the game and then look for explosive plays off that play-action passing game. Well, what Ryan Day is going to want to do is get ahead so that that running game is even more of a factor and also try to put all of the pressure on Penn State's passing game because the last thing he wants is to see Allen and Singleton really get going in the running game. Yeah. And the Buckeyes are playing from behind. That makes things really, really simple for Penn State. Yeah, and Ohio State, to its credit, did play from behind at home against Notre Dame, came back and did win in the second half. So they've been able to do that. They are they do a great job, as does Penn State, at disguising coverages. As somebody who played on that side of the ball, what does it take to disguise a coverage? Where you, and it's not just the quarterback that has to read it. The wide receiver has to read it, too. Uh, if you're looking at it from a defensive standpoint, it takes communication. And I yeah. think that's the thing that's forgotten. You have to really understand what you're rolling to, where you're moving to. If you're, let's just say you started the too high look and you got to come flying down into the box as that eighth defender because you're going in a, going into a three deep kind of look and you and you've got that that flat to get to, you've got to know that the other safety understands that you're the guy that's supposed to spin down and not him because the last thing you need is both guys spinning down and you got a tight end running up the seam or something like that. So a lot of it is communication more than anything. Execution is, is what is uh, maximized by the proper communication early. So I think communicating is key. And then also understanding 
when things come off, right? You may have something called, it may be something like a, a you know, sky with a move to a, a bear or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It could be anything. Um, but what you want to make sure you do is you realize, oh, wait, we're in a sky look, which may be for some teams it's more of a three-deep look, yeah. two, two corners and a safety taking deep third. All of a sudden you want to come flying to a bear look with a cover one, and you look up and you realize, oh, they just shifted to a four-wide receiver set with two stacks on each side. you got to call that off, and you got to make sure that everybody understands we are calling that off because the numbers do not work for us. And so a lot of it goes back to that communication piece. I think if they can communicate on defense, Penn State, I mean, uh, they've got a chance against Ohio State. You cannot have busted coverages no. against Jeff Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., C.J. Stroud in that passing game. If you have busted coverages because of miscommunications, you will get run out of your own state. And don't leave out of Mecca and Buka. <laughs> He's had a great year. He, I mean, he, actually, he, he actually leads the team in receptions and yards so far this season. Number two is a good player. Go get your bags. <laughs> That's exactly right. Go get your bags. Thanks so much. We'll talk next week. Anytime. Always appreciate it. You guys take care. And, uh, we- hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair. James, we have the return of uh, Chuck Robinson due for your defense Saturday. Um, still early in the week, but he was able to practice today. Um, obviously, you guys know he's been an explosive playmaker for us um, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, obviously against this unit, their ability to throw the ball, um, you know, being able to get pressure on the quarterback and make him uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, you know, that that would be valuable. Uh, he's also been disruptive against the run, so we're hopeful to have him. Another answer that didn't satisfy you. That's fine. I know how just, I know how James Franklin rolls. It's all right. Well, I'm just I'm just when saying. When it comes to the just, injuries, you're, you're not satisfied. Actually, I, I was. I, I thought it was nice nice of him to give that full of an answer because he's been pretty given pretty short answers the last couple of weeks on injuries. So I, I appreciate that from a media member standpoint. Well, they saw him practicing. That's why. So they see him. It's pretty obvious that he's going to be asked about it. Uh, Brock Holt today officially announced his retirement from baseball. Brock Holt played here in 2009 with the State College Spikes. Whole, se- whole, se- whole season. Never moved. He was here. 
He was the Spikes All-Star in the 2009 All-Star game that included J.D. Martinez, among others. Went on, and you know what? He made something of himself in his career. He played seven different positions. He's the only guy in the history of uh, the playoffs to ever hit for the cycle. What team was that against? What the heck? Come on. What, what, what team did he hit for a cycle against? Do you remember? You don't, you don't remember? No, senor! No, senor! Well, he probably broadcast the game in Spanish. That would be, yes, the Yankees. I think the Red Sox won that game one billion to one, wasn't it? Something like that. You weren't really competitive then. Are you referring to the 18-1 game in the ALCS? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah. I've blocked that out of my memory, too. Well, you might as well have blocked out the last 13 years. I mean, I mean, right now, your your journey to a world championship is going through the Sahara. It's a bit dry. Mm, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And just then, when you think you, you found a little bit of water to make a river, it dries out again, just like that. Excuse me. Who said in June, I don't think you're that good? Correct. I said you're good, but you're not that good. Kind of felt like the statement held up. It did. Unfortunately. You took it as hate. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And don't forget, Eagle 107 has the uh, World Series tomorrow. 94 KXLF Seals Grove Football. You'll have Chickalimi here on WKOK and 100.9. The Valley will have Little Brown Jug game between Mifflinburg and Lewisburg at Mifflinburg this time. And Saturday, Penn State, Ohio State at noon run beginning at 10.30. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory, with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee, fabulous service department that backs all of it up. They're great. And they're looking for more technicians, too. You want a job? Get a hold of them. SunburyMotors.com. Show up at the dealership or call Todd at 286-7746. This has not been the best of times for George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner. He's not giving a good account of himself in public with how he's handling the USC-UCLA thing. He needs to move on. You know, he's telling people that you know, that people at USC and UCLA are not happy with what's going on. Um, if they stay in the Pac-12, how many sports is UCLA going to drop? Believe me, those athletes are going to be very happy. They get to keep the scholarships. They're going to have the money to do it. Um, but that that's a different different story. Um, he says, we believe that the travel and coaches' salaries, some of the other expenses you incur when you join the Big Ten, that the small delta in the Big Ten media rights deal will be more than offset by that, and we stand by those numbers. There is no small delta, George. It's a chasm. 
That's the problem you have, as Andrew Marshan outlined yesterday. Um, and Dana Altman said at Pac-12 basketball media day yesterday, and look, as a coach, I understand this. You know, I don't blame him. I'd be saying the same thing. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's not good for our league, but we'll survive. We've got 10 good teams. It's our challenge to improve, which is what the commissioner of the league should be saying. USC and UCLA is a done deal. Move forward. Stop going around and around about small delta, big delta, uh, and so forth. Okay? Your TV deal, what you probably are going to get compared to the Big Ten, is a chasm. That's why USC and UCLA are doing it. I mean, don't talk about how people there are unhappy about it. Which stories have you read where they're unhappy about it? We haven't heard any stories either way about it. You know, it's he he's got it. He's got to just accept what's happened and move forward. He's got to come up with ideas to make it work. Is it ESPN and Amazon? Maybe. Going with Amazon brings with it money, but it also brings with it a struggle for exposure. Right? And that's, you know, so that's that's the fine line. And we'll see how it plays out. And, you know, and it, you know, he's he's discussing expansion. Oh, that's good. That's fine. Now that's that's when you're talking expansion, then you are at least moving forward. But every time he turns around, he looks backwards and he says, "This, you know, that, that it's bad. It's not going to work." And I, I, I just stop. Are you trying to convince USC and UCLA not to go? They've already decided they're going. So try, stop trying to talk them out of it in, in public. It's not working. You're wasting words. Hey, you're not wasting words when you're talking about your TV deal. You're not wasting words when you're talking about keeping about the quality of the other 10 schools. You're not wasting words when you're talking about expansion. You are wasting words when you're talking about why USC and UCLA shouldn't leave. You're wasting words. The decision is made. Ooh, the World Series umpire and crew is out. Oh, they're all anti-Yankees. Did you see that? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Oh, the Yankees aren't in. Sorry. Yeah, they don't have to worry about that. Joining us in the Sunbury Motors studio here is Aeneas Hawkins. Sir, always a pleasure. I'm doing well, man. It's a it's a big weekend approaching very quickly. Um, I'm excited, you know. Well, let's start last weekend. I mean, you need to respond when you get into something like that. It's the whiteout game. When you ran out of that tunnel, when you played and saw it, what was your first time? You you remember that first time? I remember it very well. So I actually did not get to experience the whiteout as a recruit. Um, Right. So 
doing it for the first time was crazy. And I just just to kind of frame this a little bit, I've been to AFC championships, I've been to Super Bowls, yes, I've been to all the biggest stages of football there are. There is not an environment like the whiteout. That's not that's not hype. That's real. I remember the first time I ran out getting chills and getting teary eyed running out that tunnel because the moment seemed so big. The ground was shaking and the game hadn't started yet. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I was I was on a show earlier this week and they asked me about the whiteout and you know just about the quick history of it I was talking about there were times where the press box would shake and Jack Ham looked over at me and he said uh, we okay up here? And I said, geez, Jack, I'm an announcer, not an engineer. No clue. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I said this. I guess it would be, Mr. Ham. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not in my lane. I, 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 I can't do this. The response, though, on Saturday night, what did you think of it? Uh, I mean, I think it gives... It gives the team a lot of hope just because, you know, I, I was on the team for the last few years, um, have been a, t- a part of tough losses before, and teams in the past couple of years that I was a part of did not respond uh, after taking that first loss. Um, so to see them kind of bounce back in a big way, to see the offense put up a bunch of points, um, to see Sean Clifford in his last wideout uh, after a slow start in the first quarter light it up, I mean, those are all positive signs of a football team that believes that they're a good football team. And to be honest, at this phase of the season, that is the most important. Aspect. Uh, let's get to the balance part of it. I mean, sometimes, and, and this has been the pattern usually over the years, whether it's high school, college, or pro, where the run sets up the pass. We now are in an era where it can go either way. And I felt like when they got the tight ends involved, it then set up the run. What did you think? Well, I saw in the last couple of weeks was teams starting to load the box up uh, to really focus on stopping the run. And then once we were able this weekend to get guys like Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren involved, the threat of Brenton Strange, it really creates an opportunity where the defense can't go as heavy in the box. And it opens up opportunities for guys like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, Kevon Lee when he's healthy, to, to really make some big plays happen. And that's the importance of balance. You want to give a defense as much to prepare for as possible. We saw what Michigan's ground attack did the week before. How impressed were you by the response, especially the front seven, to the Minnesota ground attack, which is so important to them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was I was impressed. Um, Michigan's a team that can run the ball as as well as anybody in the country. Um, but really, to me, I was checking to see what the mentality would be like with the front seven. I know that that's a group of guys who, you know, are not going to get knocked down and then stay down. Uh, so I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you. Um, but again, I think it's an important step to take before Ohio State comes to town because, you know, they're a group that everybody wants to talk about the receivers and they're talented themselves, but they can yeah. run the ball too. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to need that front seven to play big for sure. No. I mean, you look at what they have. I mean, Henderson, Williams is really good. The yep. Hayden kid who comes off the bench, yep. well, they don't play him that often, but he's pretty good as well. Yep. And that, you know, and that's what makes Stroud so dangerous because Stroud is dangerous in his own right, but when you have a running game, he becomes even more so. Yep. So, uh, what do you think of Curtis Jacobs the way he played on Saturday? Oh man, Curtis Jacobs! It's it's fun to watch him blossom into the player that the guys around him know that he can be. He's an athletic freak. Um, he's physical. <laughs> so to see what he was doing, I mean, the one play where he slammed—I want to say it was the running back—who um, let's give him some credit. He's a good ball player himself, and he was really putting that team on his back. Yeah. Um, but to see Curtis Jacobs just manhandle him and fly around—it's it's exciting. And to see him now in what is what year three, year four form, yeah. really starting to mature. Um, and playing his best football. When you get to this particular week and you start watching um, 
film of an opposing team, and when you know what the you know, and you know what the reputation of Ohio State is, as you would sit there as a player and you would watch video of what they can do, mm-hmm. what always ran through your mind watching it? Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't take uh, a football genius to watch Ohio State on film and see how talented they are at every position. Um, but as a player. You're always looking for areas in which you can exploit right. uh, who you're playing against. I, I told people, I've been telling people all week. You know, there is no fear as a college oh. football player. None of those guys in that locker room. You Go know ahead. what? Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel that Ohio State nine times out of ten comes out of the locker room with a ten to fourteen nothing lead because of who they are. Yep. Because the other team is yep. looking at them for who they are. Except when they play yeah. Penn State into a point now Michigan. Yep, they are. They don't. They don't get that ten to fourteen points with Penn State. Zero. No, they don't. No. no, there's no fear, and those guys play harder. Actually, I'd say they really step up in those moments. And to be honest, you know the mistakes I do see when playing a team like Ohio State are from guys playing too hard and maybe getting out the framework of what their responsibilities right. are. Um, but you know, as far as the mindset, those guys are going to be ready to play. Uh, as a defensive player, you know that when you're playing a talented group, then you have to do your job at a high, high level. You cannot. Uh, Forward to get out of position to jump out of gaps and to play your own game because they're talented enough to go score. No, no question. Uh, and I've, you know, people have asked me what's been the difference between the two teams when they play. I said usually it's one play each half. Very small, very small margin. I remember the 2018 game. Yep. That was a game that we had won. That was my first wideout actually. Um, yep. Then that last drive, a couple guys on a couple plays made some mistakes that were uncharacteristic, and it cost the game. And I think. You know, as a fan, sometimes it can be hard to really recognize how small those margins are. Uh, and it comes down to one play, and you don't know when that play is going to be. And that's something that Coach Franklin is constantly preaching to the guys in this room. Right. You don't know if it's play three or play 73. No doubt. Uh, and you go back to last year's game out there. Uh, obviously, Michigan beat them. Uh, but Penn State played them, except for the, the fumble by Cage that he ran back. Yep. That's the play. It's funny because you don't know when the play is going to happen, but when you see the play, you know it. You, you know, know it's the play. You know it's the play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and last year is a perfect example of that, right? That sack fumble for six. Those are mistakes you can't make against elite football teams. No, you can't. Uh, when you watch Stroud play, what do you think of him? Man, he's, uh, he's poised. He's poised. I think he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Um and I, the thing I'm most impressed about with him is just how he remains calm under pressure. Now, I'm interested to see. You know, to be honest, I look at who they've played so far and where they've had to play him, and I don't think they've had a test like this. Where they've had to play him? They haven't gone anywhere. They've gone nowhere. They've, they've played at Mich- yeah, It's interesting. They've played at Michigan State, mm-hmm. which is a very good atmosphere. And let's not take anything with it. No but doubt. it's not this. No doubt. Number two, people forget they haven't played here in front of a crowd in four it's years. It's been a while. <laughs> C.J. Stroud has never come into Beaver Stadium. None of them have. None of them. And they have no idea what to expect. And to be honest, Ryan Day himself is new at it in some ways, especially as a head coach. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the environment. Right. I mean, it's. I mean, they have not played in front of a crowd in Beaver Stadium in four years because of the circumstances. Just because I've been pointing out that you know, Michigan hasn't gone to Ohio State in four years. Because remember, they shut it down after yep. the Penn State game in 2020, so they never went to Columbus. Correct. Uh, there's just some interesting facts about that. When you've talked to offensive players on Penn State's team, 
and they have to play in road environments. How tough has it been, for example, the tackles, maybe even the H-backs, yeah. to hear on the road yeah. and what their perspective is? Yeah, so it's, it's funny. Um, I remember when we went to Ohio State in 2019, yeah. um, and I remember – you know, we were down big at one point. Then we kind of put ourselves in a position to win, uh, and then that stadium got rocking. It yeah. got loud as soon as they got threatened. Yeah, yeah, as soon as they got threatened. So you talk about tackles and H backs. I remember my buddy Will Fries having to block Chase Young, and then talking to him after the game and realizing he couldn't even hear the snap count. It was getting so loud, and you had to adjust off of that. So it makes it tough when you're trying to make checks and you're trying to get audibles in. You know, you don't know what a defense is going to come out and show you, and you got to make checks 50, 60, 70 percent of the time. Um, so it makes it tough, especially on the offense. The defense, you know, it really doesn't get like that. Um, but no. that offense has to deal with it especially. Right. No, ex- ex- now, Michigan, of course, had, uh, when they were on offense, it's like here. It's like church. Yep. <laughs> okay. yep. right. It's very quiet. <laughs> here, pen drop. Right. But then when a play is made, right, the crowd, of course, gets crazy. Joey Porter Jr. told me the mm-hmm. first play of the game in Michigan, I asked Joey about it. I, he, said, he said, Steve, I never heard the whistle. Yep. He said, I, I said, I couldn't hear it. I never heard it. Yep. So for all you people trying to assume, oh, he tried, no, no, no. He flat out, and he told me, he says, honestly, goodness, I, said, I didn't hear it. Can't hear any of it. Can't hear it. And real quick, not to change the topic on you, but the oh, matchup I'm excited to watch is Joey Porter Jr. against Marvin Harrison Jr. Because both of those guys could very well be at the top of the board in this draft class coming up. It's going to be electric to watch, and I can't wait to see it. Harrison, boy, I'm, I'm watching him in the Rose Bowl last year down in Tampa because that game was on after, and our, our flight was going to be late leaving. So I was sitting at a bar <laughs> <laughs> drinking iced tea. I see. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, that's, that right. actually is what I was drinking. Uh-huh. And I'm watching, but. That son of a gun's pretty good. Pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> and, and Jackson Smith and Jigma's getting 347, no right? But Harrison, he caught three touchdown yep. passes. He's got 10 this year. Yeah, he's a ball player. And my dad uh, my dad was an NFL cornerback in the early 2000s, late 90s. And I remember on the weeks he had to play Marvin Harrison Jr.'s daddy, mm. everybody in the house knew it because he was locked in. <laughs> um, mm. And his son is, is very similar for sure. Yeah. Um, and Marvin's quarterback – was pretty good too. Decent ball player. Yeah, decent. And his brother was here Saturday. So. Uh, was he? Yeah. Was he? Well, yeah. Chad. Yeah, Chad. Chad made it in town. There you go. Chad made it to town. <laughs> there you go. He did. <laughs> well, you know, Doug Sig. Uh, before you, Doug was um, out of Belfont, and uh, you know, Doug Phil Sig. I mean, Phil Sig taught trees, you know, the whole thing. Yep. All right. Well, Doug Sig uh, was, in fact, Doug Ward number fourteen here. Uh, but he was a quarterback here at Penn State, scholarship quarterback. He lives next to Eli. Oh, really? Right. That's how this whole connection <laughs> thing is started. That's how it started. See, I never knew the origin. It didn't make yeah. sense to me. Now it makes yeah. sense. Because uh, Eli lives in Jersey. Doug is in investments and so forth, and he's living in Jersey. Okay. And I guess they're next-door neighbors. Wow. Small world, man. It is a small world. You never know. It's a small world. Well, and so, you know. And getting smaller by the minute. <laughs> Every minute, no doubt. Keys to the game on Saturday, your opinion. Yeah, man. Uh, Got to limit the explosive plays mm-hmm. out of that Ohio State offense as much as possible. They're going to they're gonna get their shots in. Um, but if you can eliminate those as much as possible, I think it makes the game a lot easier. Uh, I do think Penn State's front seven is better equipped to go handle Ohio State's run after dealing with Michigan. Um, and then offensively, 
you know, it's going to be critically important that Sean Clifford plays his best game because if mm-hmm. he plays his best game, then opportunities to run the football are going to be there. Penn State is going to need to play a complete game. They're going to need to do everything well if they want to go win. I don't think it needs to be perfect, um, but it's going to take everybody's best effort for sure. And part of that complete game is start each half well. No doubt. Ohio State is very good at getting out of the gate. No doubt. In each half. Very good at getting out of the gate in each half. 100%. I will will take that one step further, and I will say to dominate the middle eight, which Coach Franklin talks about all the time, the end Mm -hmm. of the first and the beginning of the second can swing games so drastically, and Penn State's going to have to do all those things to win. No question. My friend, thanks so much. Great to have you here and your perspective. Thank you for having me, brother. Nias Hawkins here in the Sunbury Motors studio. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. And then he ends up on the other sideline, especially a kid like Fleming, who's pretty close by. How tough is it when you, you recruit a kid, you get to know him, you don't get him, but then he's across the field when he picks another school? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, in this league it happens all the time, especially when you're talking about re- regional prospects. It, it happens all the time. Obviously, I think your point is, you know, it, it obviously, you know, stings a little bit more when you see them. If they go far away and you never play those people, it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind, which is also our argument on why they should should stay home. And Julian, by the way, has a touchdown catch in each of his last five games. He's playing better. And probably next year, Ryan Day will get that question about Drew Aller. Goes both ways. But uh, Julian's coming off a 105-yard performance against Iowa. Is that's his first career 100-yard receiving game. He had a 79-yard touchdown or 79-yard catch, which is his longest of his career as well. That was last week in a game where Ohio State had to fight for a lot of inches against Iowa. I mean, that score, uh, I mean, bit deceptive. Five drives on turnovers started in Iowa territory. 